Talk About God podcast, and please forgive me. Um, I, when I say I've been in the pit lately, I genuinely have been in the pit. Um, I have been struggling with this new phase of life, and not just, you know, the changes that come with getting older in general, which are also kind of interesting and strange. Um, my outlook on the world changes my priorities, I guess, shift too. And, um, you know, continuing to search for a job while trying to trust God for the plans that I know he has and be patient in waiting for, you know, anything that he has in store for me is incredibly hard. Um, I've kind of determined that I struggle most with change. And I know that that's something that I genuinely think just about everybody struggles with. We, we like to be comfortable. Um, even if comfortable for us is living in bondage and, uh, living in sin because it's just, it's easier than doing something about it. I mean, literally just Saturday, I threw what I like to call a temper tantrum because I really think that's what it was. My plans fell apart. Plans that I had in the making for months fell apart at the last minute, literally day of plans are supposed to be executed and that didn't happen. And instead of handling it with the grace that a mature Christian (laughs) who is probably more mature than I would have handled it, I went a little BC. I went a little before Christ. I cried and mourned the death of a, what I thought was beautifully made plan. It took me a while to come to terms with the situation. It involved my husband and God bless this man because it was one of those things where God was using him and working through him and it made me so incredibly angry with him. Wasn't wholeheartedly his fault. I see that now. You know, hindsight's 2020. Um, and it's actually a really good thing that it all happened the way it did. Um, and that that plan that I had fell through. But in that moment, I'm going to be genuine and I'm going to confess. I said some words that I regret. I said things that I would like to take back and I know I can't because once you speak something, it's there. I mean, there, if I have the answer for my thoughts, um, I'm not going to look forward to answering for the ones that I had on Saturday because it was just, it was not in the grand scheme of things, a big deal. I feel like to anyone else, if I explain the situation, they would probably 
think that I was being like melodramatic and like just ridiculous. It was a miscommunication error that then just, I don't know, it just unraveled, really. It just unraveled. And I didn't handle it the way I would like to. And so I then get the, you know, next day, like Sunday, I get to go to church and pretend to be the perfect little Christian, right? No, (laughs) that's not what happened for me. I woke up Sunday with a killer headache. Why? Because I threw a temper tantrum on Saturday and behaved like a lunatic. Granted, partially, like, yes, I, I understand. I had a right to be upset. But geez. Like, so anyway, Sunday was a mess for me. I got up. I went. I came. I saw. I conquered. I realized very fast in walking in because I did not go last Sunday. I did not go last Wednesday. So I've missed two appointments that I make for myself with God. And it's not just like with God, it's with the community and the people who hold me accountable and build me up and see when I am struggling, even when I don't say something and all of those things. And so I missed this appointment twice and I get there Sunday, headache, really regretting my behavior the day before, really not wanting to feel like a fraud because, you know, I don't want people to think I'm perfect when I'm really not. Um, but I am better than what I used to be. So I'm thankful for that. I'm a work in progress. And anyway, I get in and I realize that in corporate worship, there is just something so incredibly special about it. And I don't know who you are. (laughs) I thank you for being willing to listen to my ramblings, but I can't tell you enough. There's just something there's something different about corporate worship, something I don't get by reading my Bible at home alone. I just, I can't explain it properly. And I am so sorry for that. It is the best way I can say is it is, it provides healing to your soul. It really does. It is soul soothing and it is, it is just good. And, um, I know that the church has hurt a lot of people, so please don't think that I'm discrediting the fact that there are, there are sinners. Again, the church is a hospital and it's the only hospital you're going to go into in which even the doctors are sick. No one, I repeat, no one there is perfect at all, but it's a bunch of imperfect people trying to be perfected by Christ in order to live a life that glorifies God. That's what it is. And so anyway, um, there is a college here in Kentucky, Asbury. Um, Definitely Google it. Something beautiful has been happening there, which just ties into this whole idea of corporate worship that I find so interesting. And it really, I don't know, it just 
seeing what's going on there kind of clicked for me when I, again, spent a week away and then come back. So Wednesday, last Wednesday, they went in. Okay, this is now, we're on Monday. Today's Monday. So last Wednesday, they, these kids at this college, which is a Christian school, so please don't think it's unusual. Christian school, they go into church on Wednesday. And as of the last I heard, they're still there. It's Monday. They went into worship on Wednesday and the Holy Spirit, God himself has moved in such a way in this school at this chapel that the kids are still there. They're still worshiping. Um, There have been people, um, so I know it's factual, there have been people even from my own church who have traveled there just to see. They just want to see for themselves. Like, is this real? Is this legit? Or is this just, you know, more ridiculousness? It's real. Apparently there's also, it's not getting as much um, attention, but there is also a school in Ohio Um, college campus, same things happening there. Um, something very similar anyway. Um, sorry. If the audio is off, it's because I'm in a vehicle traveling and I'm trying to speak up because I know the microphone's not as good in here. Um, but I also need the GPS. So yeah, it's a situation, but, um, I don't know. It just, it's so thrilling to me, to see God move in such a way. And I, like, I've been saying for a while that, like, Satan is after our kids. He's after our youth. That's why you have inappropriate cartoons and this whole, you know, insane ideologies and all of these things. And they're all being geared towards our kids, towards our youth, towards our college kids, towards our elementary, middle, high school, like he's coming for your kids and it's the same tactic. And this is going to sound crazy. So please don't think that I'm a nut job, but if you think about it, what's the best way to overtake a society? You do it with the children. This has been proven throughout history. I know everybody gets up in arms when I talk about it, but Hitler legitimately started with the children. Okay. He started with the kids and then gained their trust, made them think that their parents didn't understand them. All of these things removed the parents' ability to actually parent and protect their kids and then had their kids turn on them. Like this is how it began. I can tell you with complete certainty that that's factual. I had a, my German daughter is amazing and I love her and she's back in Germany now, but like she explained things to me in a different way that, that from their, her own personal like life and what she is taught in Germany as a child about what had happened and explains that like parents are so incredibly protective there because like they're they're all about freedom freedom of expression 
you know, freedom to wear literally whatever you want to wear, dress however you want to dress. Don't, like, don't ever oppress someone else. They went, I guess, from one extreme to the other, from complete oppression by German, by Nazi rule, to the flip side, which was like a, almost like an overcorrection, where if you disagree with someone, does this sound familiar? If you disagree with someone, then you're hate, you're hating them. You're it's hate speech. Just to disagree, to not agree and affirm someone else's belief is hate in Germany, which is kind of where we've gotten to. But um, parents are still incredibly protective of their children to the point that you can't in German schools, like they can't enforce a dress code because that's infringing on that child's own personal rights and the rights of the parents. So they don't allow that at all. The parents immediately get up in arms. Like you're trying to force my kid to wear a uniform. That's exactly what Hitler did. The, the Hitler youth got their own special uniform. He taught them how to shoot guns, like all of these things. It's very in depth. Now, please don't think that I'm some conspiracy theorist. Okay. I'm just realistic and telling you this is something historical that happened and it makes sense that if Satan is after your soul, if we're in a spiritual war, not an earthly war, if this battle is indeed spiritual, which it is, would it not make sense to go for the children? Why do you think it's important to God? Why does Jesus himself say that we should be childlike in our faith? Because when you tell a child Santa Claus is real, what happens? Does that kid question you? No, no, zero question. Why? Because you are an adult that they trust and you are giving them information. And at this point in time, when very young, before anyone else gets a say, the parent has a say and the parent teaches this kid whatever. There's no one to contradict you. So then the kids go into school. Well, I mean, the one thing that I had heard one of my parents say is that everything is fine and good until your kids start school. And once you start school, other people now get to speak into you, you get different ideologies, you get different ideas and theologies and all of these things, and it's what they are giving you. So then, because you spend more of your time with them than you do at home at that point, let's be honest, schools raise kids. It's not the way it originally was, but it's the way it is now. And you come, like, who is it? Um, Vody Bauckham. Okay, I'm going to give Vody his due here. Because Vody Bauckham, I'm not going to probably quote it perfectly, but he says, how can we send kids to Roman schools to be taught by Caesar and not expect them to come home Roman. How as Christians can you do that and not expect them to come home Romans instead of Christians? It's what they are being taught. So 
I mean, I could, I could probably rant on this for a while. I'm really genuinely not trying to. I'm not trying to be that person that's like, you know, doomsday. I'm not. I don't think that that's the case. I'm merely saying that it makes sense that our children are the ones in the firing line at this point. It makes sense because also divorce rates are through the roof. Um, marriage is now something to be mocked rather than applauded. You know, you find out that if you tell someone you're married, sometimes you get the, oh, sorry. Well, that's not the way it should be. Like, it should be congratulations. Um, you know, a long marriage is an accomplishment. Um, but there's so many things that are disposable. And unfortunately, the destruction of family units is an affront to children. It just is. There is a security that kids get from living with mom and dad. There is that comfort um, of knowing that dad has got your back and dad is going to protect you with everything that he's got um, and has that strength that mom doesn't. And there's that comfort in knowing that mom will also care for you. You get banged up. You get hurt. You don't run to dad. You run to mom. Mom's going to be the one that kisses your boo-boos, feeds you really well, comforts you, things like that. There are two very distinct roles. And not to say that me as a mother that my kids don't, like, I can guarantee you, ask them. They will tell you, I will fight. <laughs> For them I will not question it but it's not the same as knowing that dad will go toe-to-toe -to -toe for them it's different um, and so I don't know I think that a lot that was a really long and convoluted way I'm so sorry to express the fact that Satan is after our children um, and it's important to teach them what is right it's important to speaking to them and I personally genuinely could not do it on my own if it were not for my church and the corporate worship not that my church is the one that teaches the kids about God um, not to say that they don't but I think that 98% of that has to come from home and I know that my personal well-being my personal spirituality and um, faith and all of those things, my just well-being in general, it's not as good if I am not also there walking it out with other people who understand just how hard it is to walk it out with other people who get the condemnation that comes with it, that understand, you know, how difficult it can be based off of, you know, like, I don't know, the sheer amount of people that you lose along the way. Like, there's this, you know, Christian joke that, you know, we all know of the miracles that Jesus, um, performed, but nobody ever talks about the miracle of a man in his 30s having 12 close friends. 
Um, and it's true. It's true. I can genuinely say I do not have 12 close friends. I am lucky enough to probably have five really close friends and that's, you know, family included. Um, but it, it can be, it can be difficult. And there are times that the enemy wants you to feel like you're alone and isolated and, um, why wouldn't he? I mean, the first thing he did was get Eve by herself because we're, we're weaker when we're alone. We are not as strong unless we're standing together as a full body of Christ. Um, so I don't know. I'm not saying you have to go to church. I'm saying I have to go to church because after my hissy fit, let me bring it full circle. <laughs> I'm going to get there after my hissy fit on Saturday and waking up and feeling zero desire to go and do that. Genuinely no desire, none at all. No, thank you. Um, I got up, I got dressed. I did not even bother to shower or fix my hair. I just did not care. I went, I came, I saw, I worshiped my God and my outlook changed. It went from, oh, poor me. My plans got ruined. Blah, blah, blah. I have a terrible attitude and this is just way harder than what it ever should have to be to thank you, God. Thank you, God, for waking me. You are good. You are kind. You are gracious. You are far better than anything I ever deserve. You always, always have my best interests at heart and you will always do what is necessary for me to glorify you. And for that, I am grateful. If that means I have to hurt, then I'll hurt. If that means I need to praise, then let me get to praising. Like, I have to be better in this season of life, knowing how insanely difficult this is going to be. I must get better at praising in the storm. I have to. Because I'm at the point in life, going on 35 years old now, where I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to completely reinvent myself and deconstruct everything I thought I knew about myself and focus more. How about this? I need to focus less on me and more on him and what would truly glorify God and the work that I do with my hands and the time that I spend in different things and using the time that he has blessed me with because every single day is a blessing. Every day that I am breathing the air that the Lord fills my lungs with is a blessing. Every day I'm physically capable of getting up, just getting out of bed because I remember a day when that was hard. It's a blessing. Every day that I am walking is a blessing. I threw 50 pound bags of feed in the back of a truck um, all by myself. That was not with help. And that 
was a blessing. The things that I am capable of doing with my body blow my mind. And it shouldn't, okay? <laughs> like, it may not blow your mind. Oh, big whoop. You lifted a 50-pound bag. Yeah, I did three of them, okay? I'm going to be proud of myself. Um, and I am not hurting. Like, I don't want to... Excuse me, I don't want to fall over. Now, I do want to take a nap because I got up very, very early this morning. Um, just trying to, I don't know, change my outlook and change my routine and things like that. But, I don't think that, I know that in this season, if I as a mother am going to glorify God the best and combat the enemy and what he is doing to get to my kids. I am going to need to set my focus on God, keep my eyes on Jesus, pay attention to what's going on in the world around me. I can't dig my head in the sand and pretend that the world doesn't exist because it does. And I need to know what the tactics that are being used to get after my kids, but I also have to be transparent, I have to be honest, and I have to be humble enough to explain to them and to show them that like, yeah, Saturday was rough. Make no mistake, there was no way they did not see that Saturday was rough, but it didn't have to be so rough. It was rough because my focus was wrong. It was rough because I was focused on myself and not on God and I was not listening I don't get me wrong I finally did eventually I usually get with it eventually and eventually I did um and I did say Sunday morning after leaving church like getting in the car the first thing I was said to everyone in, in it was can I just be serious about how important it is for me to go to church. I mean, I might be the only one that feels this way, but like I needed that. I needed to go and worship with my brothers and sisters and refocus myself on the one who created everything. Because at the end of the day, I don't have a tomorrow. Like I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed another minute on this earth. And when it's all said and done, I'm not, like, this is not my home. This is not where I end, like, forever. Eternity, never ending, forever, is what ha comes next. And I'm not scared of that. But I will say, when I struggle the most in my faith, is when I worry the most about my eternal salvation and whether or not I'm going to make it where I want to be or not, because make no mistake, trying very hard to be obedient because it's not easy and I still mess up. And like I said, I said things Saturday that I wish I could take back, like my mouth was not blessing it was doing nothing but cursing and it was just just there is power of life and death in your tongue and my tongue was pure evil and I see that 
and I hate that about myself and so like I struggle with that and how I can behave at times out of anger which is so incredibly unfair um, to those who love me and so I, I just I don't like it but God is good God is gracious Jesus died on that cross knowing all of the sins that I was gonna sin he he knows he already knows exactly how many sins I'm gonna have to answer for come judgment day he already paid the price for all of them does that give me a free pass to just be as sinful as possible no <laughs> don't do that it is highly ill-advised and God's grace yes is sufficient but it does not make his grace look better it doesn't glorify any him anymore by me behaving badly so that I can then go oh well, look what he forgave me from no doesn't work that way but my predicament doesn't have to be my condemnation God did not send Jesus here to condemn me he sent him here to save me that grace is sufficient to cover all of my sins and when I sin I am now not struck with condemnation but correction correction from a good God who loves me enough to want to continue to do work on my heart to continue to make me better even when I fall short you know I'm that strange person that cannot help but look at Simon Peter and see that even in the final hour right Simon like denied Christ three times while Christ is like going to the cross Jesus already knew he was gonna do it he called it out it didn't make him love Simon or Peter rather any less did not make him any less loved it tore can you imagine I'm just saying can you imagine being Simon Peter and how much would that tear you up inside to know that you allowed your fear of the world because that's what it was he denied Christ because he didn't want to be in the same position that Christ was in he knew that if he acknowledged that he was with him and all of these things he would be suffering the exact same fate and he was scared so he allowed his fear of the world to cause him to deny Christ, which is huge, right? Me running my mouth didn't really deny Christ, but it didn't glorify him. Darn guarantee that. But, but God, right? In the end, Peter then repents he turns from it he acknowledges that he was wrong he I'm sure asked for forgiveness he had to have because how else could he live with himself I mean we saw that Judas also sinned against God against Jesus Jesus knew it was coming and the difference is is that Judas killed himself like he couldn't handle this the the correction that he was being given and instead of asking for help and for forgiveness to be better 
he chose instead to just take the easy way out and just be done. So, I don't know. I know that I don't have to allow my slip-ups to be my condemnation that I can instead allow it to be my correction. Know that, I mean, what's done is done. I can't go back and undo it. I have asked for forgiveness and I will continue to work on moving on. And I can genuinely say that I know just how much the devil likes to bring up my past, whether it be things that I feel are a past mistake or a situation um, that has come up in my past that I sincerely and deeply regret the way it all shook out. Not that I could do anything differently. Not that I could go back and fix anything or otherwise. Like, it's just an unfortunate situation and it changes nothing. Nothing has changed. Um, but I don't like it, right? It still makes me feel bad. It still breaks my heart. Um, but there are things that just are. There will be scars that I wear for the rest of my life. And those are hard things when they come back up to deal with. But I also have to remember that even in those hard things, even in those moments, these very specific moments in my life that I can recall quite easily that were let's just say less than ideal feels like an understatement, but, um, I see God. I see God now in the way that he carried me through. I see God in the way that those situations broke me down and took me to my knees in a way that caused me to quite literally fall face down before him and beg for his help in a way that nothing else ever could have. And even though these situations leave me wounded, I would not be sitting here right now on a podcast telling you how good God is without those really bad things. So take it for what it's worth um, and just know that there is no condemnation for those who trust in Jesus Christ and who genuinely and sincerely, I'm not saying you can just walk around and say, I'm a Christian and you're good. It doesn't work that way. You have to want to follow him and his teaching enough to be willing to let go of your sin, enough to be uncomfortable rather than being comfortable. And I will tell you with the utmost sincerity, nothing in my life has ever made me more uncomfortable than following Jesus, than genuinely trying to follow him. And that's not, there's not like a magic, I I can't tell you how to follow Christ, okay? This is 
that's one of these most spastic things, right? Only the Holy Spirit can guide you in that. Only God can tell you what needs to go and what can stay. Sometimes who needs to go and who can stay. Um, the who's hurt way more than the what's, I'll be honest. Um, quitting smoking was way easier. Um, quitting cussing has proved to be a bit more difficult. <laughs> but, you know, giving up certain people by far hurts the most. But in the end, all I can do is pray that it's worth it. That's it. And trust that God knows what he's doing. So, you best suggestion, advice I can give is when in doubt, go to God. When happy, go to God. When sad, go to God. When joyous, go to God. When confused, go to God. In all things, go to God. When your plans fall through, and you are incredibly butthurt about it. Do not do like I did on Saturday and have a hissy fit about it. Don't do that. You can cry. I'm not telling you you're not allowed to cry. I'm not telling you you're not allowed to have emotions and be upset. I am telling you before you react, before you open your mouth and speak to anyone, and I repeat, anyone about it, go to God. Talk to him about it. And don't just like pray about it and then get on the phone with somebody. No. Go to God and sit there with him until you feel any type of change in your attitude. Sincerely. Because even if you have righteous anger, let's just say that your anger is it's totally just and called for and righteous. I can guarantee you in that moment, you are still not going to behave the way God wants you to. You're incapable. This is not a Jesus flipping tables situation that we all like to think that we have that righteous anger. No. <laughs> like, this is you butthurt that your plans didn't work out, in my case. Um, and maybe you need to stop a minute and ask God what his plans are. And slow down enough to just give him time to answer you before you start trying to fix anything. Because I am learning, if nothing else, I am learning that I am incapable of fixing my own problems. Incapable. Zero ability. So, I know that there's no way I'm alone in this. Regardless, I am so sorry for my insane ramblings today. I I am all over the place. Um, as you can tell, it's been a wild weekend. Um, but nevertheless, as always, God bless and get in the word. I, I would be even more of a mess without it, if you can imagine that. So get in the word, get in the word, get in the word, and God bless.